In a Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. Every Christian community must realize that not only do the weak need the strong, but also that the strong cannot exist without the weak. This is a quote from Life Together, a book written by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, about the necessity of Christian community, even when separated, and it is the subject of our podcast here today. Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorn. This past week in Sydney, it was announced that our lockdown would be extended to the end of September. I'm recording this on a Monday, and this past Sunday marked our ninth Sunday, our ninth weekend, unable to gather as a church. It has been difficult and challenging at times. A little over a week ago, I stumbled on this short little book by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and I felt compared to share it with you all especially those who find themselves in lockdown. And I pray that it will be a blessing to you and that it will encourage you today. Next week, we will continue to share some of the conversations I've been blessed to have with leaders within the church in Australia and around the world. So stay tuned for that. But I don't want to wait any longer. Let's dive into this insightful book together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was born in Germany in 1906. He grew up in Berlin, where his father was a professor of psychiatry and neurology. Diedrich studied theology at the University of Berlin in the mid-1920s and was attracted by the theology of Revelation proposed by Karl Barth, a famous Swiss theologian. In 1931, Bonhoeffer became a lecturer in systematic theology at the University of Berlin, the same university that he attended as a student. The rise of Nazism in Germany found a fierce opponent in Bonhoeffer. He protested against the regime from its inception, especially against its influence on the German Protestant Church. The German Church began excluding Jews from their leadership and congregation, and his insistence that Jews who had converted to Christianity were entitled to the same rights in the Church as other Christians put him at odds with many of the other leaders within the Church. This led him to associate himself with the Confessing Church, which was a movement for revival in the German Protestant Church during the 1930s. This gathering of people uh, forcefully opposed the Nazis and their idea of the superiority of the Aryan race. In 1935, Bonhoeffer was appointed to head a new seminary for the Confessing Church at Finkenwald, which continued in disguised form until 1940, despite its being forced to close by the German state in 1937. It was to this group of students and leaders that he wrote his book entitled Life Together in 1939. You can somewhat see the parallels between the situation he and his students found themselves in and the current situation that we face. Yes, I would say their situation was much more dire, but we can definitely learn from what Bonhoeffer taught his students about community, even though they were unable to gather as a large congregation. He starts off his book by quoting Psalm 133, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he says this, It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. 
The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. They remember, as the psalmist did, how they went with the multitude to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. But they remain alone in far countries, a scattered seed, according to God's will. Though we are currently unable to gather, we can remember those Christians who have it far worse than us. This past week, we were given a horrific reminder in Afghanistan of what some Christians have to face in this world. We sometimes forget how bad it can really get because we live in relative comfort in the West. I remember uh, a few weeks ago, I heard the story of this uh, young lady who had escaped from North Korea and the experiences that she faced, not necessarily as a Christian in North Korea, but just as an individual there are horrific things that take place in this world and suffering that we cannot really comprehend. These last nine weeks have been a bit of a wake-up call of what a blessing it is to gather together in a public display of worship, because that's not allowed in every country in this world. That's not allowed in many countries. And, uh, and we've had a small taste of that over this last nine weeks. Bonhoeffer continues, he says, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. The believer feels no shame as though he were still living too much in the flesh when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. We're blessed to have Zoom, FaceTime, and social media, but there is nothing that compares to the physical presence of other Christians. I know that I have truly missed being with fellow believers, with my friends, with those uh, that I do life with, that I uh, am in community with at the Pentecostals of Sydney. There is nothing like it. Now, listen to this. He says, But if there is so much blessing and joy, even in a single encounter of brother with brother, how inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who, by God's will, are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. It is true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us, that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, It is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. I know that I will never take gathering together and worship for granted ever again. I'm somewhat ashamed of the times that I drug my feet to church or complained about having to go to church again or having to serve again and, and being tired from the time we have spent together gathering together as a church. What a blessing it is for us to gather together. What a blessing it is for us to be with other Christians. What a gift from God. What a privilege it is to worship together with other believers, to enjoy each other's company, to be in community with other believers. But Bonhoeffer explains that a community of believers doesn't necessarily have to be regularly meeting together. He says Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this, 
whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It means first that a Christian needs others because of Jesus Christ. It means second that a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. It means third that in Jesus Christ we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. We are united through our faith in Jesus Christ. He is the one that has brought us together, and it is through Him that we are a community, not based on our geographic location. It doesn't matter if I've met you once as a fellow believer or if I have been serving with you for the last 11 years. You are part of the church. We are in community together through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you can see a friend, who a Christian brother or sister. You can see them once, not see them for years, and see them again. And it's like, you know, picking up right where you left off. It's because we have this shared community through our faith in Jesus Christ. Next, Bonhoeffer talks about how we need each other to stay encouraged and inspired. He says, But God has put this word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. He's talking about the word of God. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek him and find his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of a man. Therefore, a Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother, man, as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. That is so powerful. I encourage you to reach out to someone. If God has blessed you with the scripture in your daily reading, if God has given you a word, don't keep that to yourself but share it with others. It can be a way to strengthen them, or it may help them refocus on the things that matter, the eternal things in life. We are so bombarded by the news and the opinions on social media. You hop on social media, and there's opinion after opinion. There's all these things coming to and fro. We're bombarded by the news, the shutdowns, all these crazy things. Why don't we start combating that with speaking the Word of God to each other? Speaking a word that God has given us, call up your brother, message your sister, give them a word from the Lord to encourage them, to get their mind off the things that are before them right now and get it fixed on eternal things. Finally, before uh, he moves to address spiritual disciplines, which I know is going to be very, very helpful to you and and, uh, I encourage you to uh, take some notes and maybe apply some of what Bonhoeffer has to say. Maybe it will be able to help your own uh, spiritual walk. But before he moves on to that, Bonhoeffer has this last thing to say about our attitude as individuals. He says this, Only he who gives thanks for little things receives the big things. We prevent God from giving us the great spiritual gifts he has in store for us because we do not give thanks for daily gifts. We think we dare not be satisfied with the small measure of spiritual knowledge, experience, and love that has been given to us, and that we must constantly be looking forward eagerly for the highest good. Then we deplore the fact that we lack the deep certainty, the strong faith, and the rich experience that God has given to others, and we consider this lament to be pious. We pray for the big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, and yet really not small, gifts. 
How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive for him the little things? He says, you want these bigger things, these greater things, and yet we struggle sometimes to have a thankfulness for the little things, for the things that happen every day. Let us continue to be thankful for what God has already done in our lives and what he continues to do each day. Let us have a heart of gratitude. Let us choose to live in gratitude. Let us choose to be thankful, to have a thankful heart. Instead of thinking of on the negative or the things that you have no control of, let's choose to thank God for what he has already done and what he is doing for us each and every day. There is so much good stuff in this book. It's only about 80 pages long. It's like a pamphlet that he wrote uh, to his leaders. And I'm just sharing a fraction of it with you today. So I do encourage you to to look it up, maybe get the book. Uh, But before we move to the spiritual disciplines, I'm sorry, I have to share this this one with you. It's so good. I I just can't, uh, I can't move on without sharing this one with you. Listen to this. It is the voice of the church that is heard in singing together. It is not only you that sings, it is the church that is singing, and you, as a member of the church, may share in its song. Thus, all singing together that is right must serve to widen our spiritual horizon, make us see our little company as a member of the great Christian church on earth, and help us willingly and gladly to join our singing, be it feeble or good, to the song of the church. I just, I love that. Think about that quote. Think about that thought the next time you feel awkward singing in your house along to the live stream. I know I've been blessed to be at church and helping to facilitate our live stream, but there was a a couple Sundays where, where I was at home, and I understand what it's like. It seems a little bit awkward to be singing in your lounge room by yourself or with your family, but next time, think about that is just a small part of the larger church that is singing. It may feel like it's just you singing in your house or just your family, but it is the church that is singing. When you are worshiping, when you are singing, that is the church. The church is singing throughout Sydney. The church is singing throughout Australia. The church is singing throughout the world. I absolutely love that. Amen. Praise God. Don't let your isolation steal your worship. Don't let your isolation steal your praise, but instead remember that you are just a small part of the church, and we are all singing, and we are praying, and we are worshiping and praising together. Well, in this next section, he covers the spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading. I will share a a few nuggets with you uh, on each of these subjects that he covers, but I love how he starts off talking about these disciplines. He writes, for Christians, the beginning of the day should not be burdened and oppressed with besetting concerns for the day's work. At the threshold of the new day stands the Lord who made it. All the darkness and distractions of the dreams of night retreat before the clear light of Jesus Christ and His wakening word. All unrest, all impurity, all care and anxiety flee before Him. Therefore, at the beginning of the day, let all distraction and empty talk be silenced, And let the first thought and the first word belong to him to whom our whole life belongs. The first thought and the first word belongs to him. That is so powerful. And it has become a rule 
that I am instituting in my own life that the first thought and the first word of each morning of my morning belongs to God, belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to Instagram. It doesn't belong to Twitter. It doesn't belong to the pandemic. It doesn't belong to the government, to the New South Wales government. It doesn't belong to Gladys Berejiklian or Dr. Chan or anybody like that. No, the first word belongs to Him. The first thought belongs to Him. That is how I want to start my day, and I challenge I challenge each one of you. Let your day start with a thought with your mind on Christ, on what He has done in your life and what He's going to do in you and through you this day. Now let's look at some spiritual disciplines and see how we can apply them to our lives, what, what uh, Bonhoeffer has to say about them. And, and this is what he has to say about prayer. The body of Christ is praying, and as an individual, one acknowledges that his prayer is only a minute fragment of the whole prayer of the church. He learns to pray the prayer of the body of Christ, and that lifts him above his personal concerns and allows him to pray selflessly. He continues, We have already said that the most promising method of prayer is to allow oneself to be guided by the word of the scriptures, to pray on the basis of a word of scripture. So pray based on the scriptures, not just your own thoughts. In this way, we shall not become the victims of our own emptiness. Prayer means nothing else but the readiness and willingness to receive and appropriate the word, and, what is more, to accept in one's personal situation, particular tasks, the de- uh, decisions, sins, and temptations. That is such good stuff. Allow your prayer time to be guided by the scriptures and not just by your emotions or desires as they can lead you to empty prayers. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't allow your emotions, don't allow your desires, how you feel, don't let that uh, be the guidepost or be the guiding light for your prayers, but let your prayer be guided by the scriptures because that will lead to a fulfilled prayer time, a fulfilled prayer life. And that is why you'll see people basing uh, the way that they pray, structuring it off of the Lord's prayer, not necessarily word for word, obviously, but based on that structure that is provided, the Lord's prayer. Other people base it on, they'll talk about praying uh, through the tabernacle plan. So they'll go through the different articles of the tabernacle and they represent different things. People will pray the Psalms, but Praying the Word of God will give structure and help you to guide your prayers so they don't feel empty when you may be emotionally empty or your desires may not necessarily be aligning per se with God in the moment that you're in. He continues talking about prayer. He says, according to a word of scripture, we pray for the clarification of our day, for preservation from sin, for growth and sanctification, for faithfulness and strength in our work. And we may be certain that our prayer will be heard because it is a response to God's word and promise. It is one of the particular difficulties of meditation that our thoughts are likely to wander and go their own way toward other persons or to some events in our life. Much as this may distress and shame us again and again, we must not lose heart and become anxious or even conclude that meditation is really not something for us. When this happens, it is often a help not to snatch back our thoughts convulsively, but quite calmly to incorporate into our prayer 
the people and events to which our thoughts keep straying, and thus in our patience return to the starting point of the meditation or prayer. So first I want to touch on that God hears our prayers. You're not just praying to the ceiling. When you pray, God hears our prayers. He hears them. And then I also want to touch on this advice that he gives about the wandering mind. It is so good. I cannot tell you how many times I've beaten myself up about times that I have set aside for prayer and then my mind will wander to something else during prayer. And he encourages you to, instead of berating yourself or beating yourself up for that, incorporate those thoughts or individuals in your prayer and then get back on task. Instead of getting upset with yourself or shaming yourself, allow God to even use the wandering mind. Even when your mind is wandering, God can use that if you will allow it. And you can pray for that individual or you can pray for that situation that your mind is wandering to and then get back to the task of the prayer that you had at hand. That is such good advice. Here's some of his thoughts on intercession. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. So the fellowship itself lives and exists by the intercession of its members. This makes it clear that intercession is also a daily service we owe to God and our brother. He who denies his neighbor the service of praying for him denies him the service of a Christian. It is clear, furthermore, that intercession is not general and vague, but very concrete, a matter of definite persons and definite difficulties, and therefore of definite petitions. The more definite my intercession becomes, the more promising it is. Our brothers and sisters are counting on our prayers of intercessions. Our brothers and sisters are counting on us to pray for them, just as we are counting on them to pray for us, on our focused prayer, not on vague prayers, but on specific prayers for our fellow brothers and sisters. Eternity hangs in the balance. Events in this world could hinge upon your prayer. Think about that, on your focused prayer. That might bring a bit of urgency to your prayer time. That might bring a bit of responsibility to your prayer time. Our brothers and sisters are counting on our prayers. Along with intercession, he addresses the need for a Christian to be regularly reading the Bible. He writes, It is not necessary that we should discover new ideas in our meditation. Often this only diverts us and feeds our vanity. It is sufficient if the word, as we read and understand it, penetrates and dwells within us. Sometimes we can get so used to certain passages of the Bible when we're reading them and this happens to me often in my yearly Bible reading plan. I'll be reading through passages that I have read and quoted for years. And we can get so used to those passages that we don't allow the simplicity of them to speak to us. We don't allow the simplicity of those passages to speak to our hearts. I remember Brother Harold Hoffman talking about buying a new Bible for the purpose of reading it without any highlighted verses. He liked to highlight and make notes in his Bible. And so he would, he would buy a blank Bible and just read from that so that his meditation, his time of reading the Word, wasn't influenced by past thoughts or by past scriptures that he had highlighted, but he was taking it all in like it was the first time. It was fresh for him to be reading it. Another thing that Bonhoeffer says about reading the Word, he says, Do not ask what this text the Bible, has to say to other people. For the preacher, and this is speaking to us preachers, 
This means that he will not ask how he is going to preach or teach on this text, but what it is saying quite directly to him. It is true that to do this we must first have understood the content of the verse, but here we are not expounding on it or preparing a sermon or conducting a Bible study of any kind. We are rather waiting for God's word to us. And I know I struggle with that as a preacher, as someone who uh, will sometimes read the Bible, uh, not as my daily reading, but, you know, I'll study it in order to preach or to teach. And even in my daily reading or even in my daily study, I'll be reading something and I highlight it and jot it down and like, oh, that that's good. I can preach that. But he's saying, hey, sometimes it's better to just not think about that. Don't think about how you're going to preach it to somebody or how you're going to teach it to somebody, how you're going to expound on it. But let that word speak to your heart. Let it speak to you, the reader. The final thing that I want to highlight that he writes about Bible reading, he says, but there can be equally little doubt that brief verses cannot and should not take the place of reading the scripture as a whole. The verse for the day is still not the Holy Scripture, which will remain throughout all time until the last day. Holy Scripture is more than a watchword. It is also more than light for today. It is God's revealed word for all men, for all times. Holy Scripture does not consist of individual passages. It is a unit and is intended to be used as such. Now, this isn't to go against the verse of the day on the Bible app. I think that's great, especially if you're sharing it. That's good because it can encourage the people who are following you on social media to make sure that they read the Word of God. Uh, It can speak to somebody's heart, a single verse. But the Bible is not isolated scriptures. In fact, the uh, scriptures that are noted down in the Bible are not written that way initially. Those scripture numbers, the chapter numbers were established later. The Bible was, was originally written, you know, in paragraph form without breaking it up like that. And so these are passages that are meant to be read and to be understood in context. Yes, it's nice to have a little verse or a verse to live by, but remember that that verse is just a small part of a broader message that the Bible is wanting to share. So remember that when we are reading scripture, it's not just about a verse here or a verse there, a verse here or a verse there, but everything should be read in context. Scripture is more than just a single verse, but these are whole passages that are meant to be read and to be understood. The final subject that Bonhoeffer writes about in Life Together is ministry. How can we minister to one another in this time of separation? Instead of waiting for our lockdowns to end, how can we continue to be effective in the kingdom of God? He talks about the ministry of meekness, the ministry of bearing, bearing one another's burdens, He talks about the ministry of proclaiming, sharing the word with each other, and the ministry of authority. But I want to highlight two other ministries that Bonhoeffer mentions, the ministry of listening and the ministry of helpfulness. And the reason I want to highlight these two is because I believe they are especially important right now. This podcast is a podcast that is meant for right now, and people may listen to it later, and that's good, and hopefully they can get something out of it. Of of course, these things that he's talking about, spiritual disciplines, that can apply to you at any time, in any place. But I really felt compelled to share this with you all, because I think it will help you uh, in these next few weeks and months as we continue to face lockdowns and being separated from one another. Bonhoeffer writes, 
about the ministry of listening. The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening to them. Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. It has been reported that Lifeline, a, this is a uh, suicide or a type of suicide prevention hotline in Australia, has been fielding record calls these past few weeks. This is how Lifeline describes themselves on their About page on their website. We are here to listen without judgment and to advocate for equal opportunities for mental well-being. We are here for you. Imagine if we were like that with those in our church community, but instead of advocating for their mental well-being, we listen to help them with their spiritual well-being. I'm sure there are plenty of people that you know who could benefit from you listening to them, listening to uh, what they have to say. And so I want to encourage you to call somebody up just to listen. How is their day going? How is their week going? What are their struggles that they're facing during this time? Be there to listen for them, to help them during this time of lockdown. But Bonhoeffer warns the person who is going to be a listener. He warns, he says, There is a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient and inattentive listening. This despises the brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and so get rid of the other person. He pulls no punches with how he describes those who pretend to listen only so that they can talk. And I'm sure all of us know people like that who will only listen to you so then they can tell you how you should live or how you should do this or how you should do that. They only listen so that they can talk. We need to be genuine in our attempts to listen to those we love. We need to be genuine in our attempts to open our ears and hear them with understanding. Listen to them. He ends uh, this section of the ministry of listening by saying, We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. Let it be our prayer that God gives us the ability to listen well so that we can speak life into our friends and family. We can give them not just a word, not just something that's helpful, not just something that's nice, not just a word, but the word of God, that we can give them the word from God that they need for this situation. We need to be tuned into His Spirit and allow Him to use us during this time to speak to others, to speak a word into their life, to help them, to strengthen them as they go through these times of isolation, these times of being alone. Along with the ministry of listening, I wanted to look at what Bonhoeffer had to say about helpfulness. I love this. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important tasks, as the priest passed by the man who had fallen among thieves. Perhaps he was reading the Bible. When we do that, we pass by the visible sign of the cross, raised athwart our path, to show us that, not our way, but God's way must be done. We must be ready to help and to minister whenever and wherever God wants us to. Not our way, but His way. Not our will, but His will. Not our plan, but His plan. Bonhoeffer concludes the ministry of helpfulness by saying, Only where hands are not too good for deeds of love and mercy 
in everyday helpfulness, can the mouth joyfully and convincingly proclaim the message of God's love and mercy. Only when we show that we love people, that we are willing to show love and mercy through helpfulness, will they be open to hearing what we have to say about the joy that has filled our heart through the love of Jesus Christ. Only then will they be open to hear the gospel. It is through helpfulness that people will be able to listen to the word of God for their life. I hope this book has spoken to you like it has me and has caused you to think about how you can better serve God and others during this season of isolation. Thankfully, we live in a world with Zoom, iMessage, and social media. Though we cannot be together physically, we can still see and communicate with one another. That is something to be grateful for. I know some of us could be getting uh, some technology fatigue, screen fatigue. It's very real, Um, but we still have this ability to communicate with one another. So I encourage you to not shut each other off. Don't hide away. My daughter is so tired of FaceTime, but it's good that she sees other people. So make sure that you continue to connect with others through these avenues that we are blessed to have in the 21st century. I did want to finish this podcast by reading what Diedrich Bonhoeffer had to say about being alone. Because these lockdowns are isolating and can make us feel very much alone. He writes, Alone you stood before God when he called you. Alone you had to answer that call. Alone you had to struggle and pray. And alone you will die and give an account to God. You cannot escape from yourself, for God has singled you out. But then he shares this encouraging word. He continues, Into the community you were called. The call was not meant for you alone. In the community of the called, you bear your cross, you struggle, you pray. You are not alone, even in death. And on the last day, you will be only one member of the great congregation of Jesus Christ. Even when you feel alone and isolated, you are not alone. Not only is God with you, but you also have a community of brothers, of believers, of sisters, who love you and are praying for you. Bonhoeffer highlights that only in the fellowship do we learn to be rightly alone, and only in aloneness do we learn to live rightly in the fellowship. Only in fellowship do we learn to be rightly alone, and only in aloneness do we learn to live rightly in the fellowship. Let's commit to taking this time of aloneness to learn how best we can live in community with one another. I'm sure many of us weren't living the best way that we possibly could in community with our fellow believers in Jesus, sometimes taking relationships for granted, uh, taking the church and our time in worship for granted, not getting the most out of relationships, not getting the most out of our community. Let's commit to make sure that this time of aloneness is not wasted, but that we truly learn how we can best serve one another, how we can best be in community with one another during this time. For when we do gather back together, because we will gather back together, then we can be better Christians, we can be better servants, we can be better 
members of the community of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. If it blessed you, please share it with a friend and encourage them to follow the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and a number of other platforms. Just search the Hack a Podcast and you should find us. We're releasing content every week, and the best way to keep in touch is to subscribe or follow the podcast so it goes directly into your podcast feed. If you have time to rate and review the show where you listen to it, I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you again for your time today. I hope it has blessed you and that it has given you a little pep in your step. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Hacker Podcast.